here's what Lencioni says about trust. Now, this is very important to recognize. It gets back to why I was showing you my white socks a few minutes ago. Okay? Lencioni says this about trust. His definition. When you can be vulnerable with other people, you're building trust. And he said this. When you can say, I'm sorry. I was wrong. You're better at that than me. I can't do that. Could you please do that for me? I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Help me. When you can say those things to whoever you're in relationship with, you've got some trust there. You've built some trust within that relationship. But think about those statements I just gave you from a Christian perspective for a moment. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. You're better at this than me. What does that remind you of? A big word in Christianity has to do with your relationship with God. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. It starts with an R, folks. Repentance is what I'm thinking of. Isn't it interesting what the social scientists are discovering these days and writing million-seller books about that relates to exactly the message in your Bible? What is repentance about? God, I am so sorry. I realize that I've messed up my life. I did this, I did that. I realize what your word is all about now, what the truth of your word is. And I'm giving it all to you. I'm turning it over a new leaf. I've made these mistakes. I'm sorry. And we continue to do that. And we get down on our knees and repent again. And that sacrifice takes care of it. Isn't that vulnerability? Isn't repentance vulnerability? When you think about it, do you see that linkage there? Isn't it interesting that all of these social scientists who write about how to keep a team together, what's foundational to relationships, trust, Lencioni sees trust from this concept of repentance or being able to open up and be vulnerable and let go and be transparent and honest with each other. Isn't that interesting? I find it interesting. Tell you a little story. Uh, one story Lencioni tells in one of his books. One group of uh, people he was working with for a Fortune 500 team, what he did was they were, it was a dysfunctional team and he was trying to get this team to work better together. And he, he interviewed each of the team members, got to know them a little bit. And what he noticed was all the team members were kind of focusing on one person in the team as being the problem. And so he talked to the woman who was the quote-unquote problem, and uh, what he learned from her was, and he got, he got into some questions, some deep questions, like tell me about your life, your parents, your friendships, etc., etc. And this woman, one-on-one, -on -one, opened up with him, because no one else had tried to open up with her. They said she was abrupt, she was rude, she thought she was better than everybody else on the team. She was a high-achieving team member, but everybody else on the team didn't get along with her. So Lencioni started talking to this woman, and he learned that as a child, she was a great piano player. And uh, her father was a military officer in the United States, military, and every two or three years, he'd pick up the family and move them to another location, and then another location, and another location. So she talked about that from the standpoint she never really made any friends. She never had any close relationships with people. She was a high achiever because of her father's military bearing over her, and her father always telling her that that piano recital was not good enough. And she was good. She was good at what she did, but not good enough for her father. So what do you think that did to her? That turned her inward. 
that turned her into herself because she didn't want to put anything out there to get rejected. When her teammates learned that, they saw her in a completely different light than they had seen her up to that point. You get what I'm saying here? When she finally opened up about the real deal and others heard it, they had compassion. They had sincerity towards her and understood why they perceived her in the way they did. But now they understood why she acted in the way she did. The problem here, folks, is not everybody can easily open up like that. We've all been hurt. We've all been injured psychologically, physically by life. And when you get hurt and hurt again and hurt again, you go inward. And it's hard to be vulnerable when you've been hit and hit and hit when you were vulnerable. But here's the deal. What does your Bible say? What does your Bible say? He says, when you give it to me, it's all gone. Let it go. Let God. Let it go. Let God. So here, here's a problem with us. Okay? Here's a problem with us. We've all had these injuries. And many of us have had injuries from the church. Okay? Which makes it difficult for us to want to fight for the church and work for the church and struggle for the church. But folks, that's how life's going to be. Because the struggle makes you stronger. The struggle makes you better. And if you don't understand that, just remember the refrain, no pain, no gain. Your Bible tells you that, doesn't it? He's going to chastise you in this life to make you better than you already are. It doesn't come easy. The Bible says that. It's not going to be easy. When it's not easy, you should rejoice. You should be happy. You should kick up your heels. Because you know that's refining you. That's making you stronger for what's coming. Without the struggle, folks, you don't achieve. You gotta struggle. You gotta fight. You gotta endure to the end. Don't let this world snuff out the life force within you from God's Spirit that can help us overcome anything in this world. Now here's something that Lencioni brought up. I want, I want to leave you with this little uh, game today. He said it's so difficult to build trust. It sometimes takes two, three, four, five years. I talked about a relationship with my wife 16 years on now. Before that, we were friends for a couple years. Okay? That's a long time of various activities and, and getting over things. Okay? When you meet somebody new in the church that, that's there for the first time, it's difficult to have that immediate trust. But here's something Lencioni has done. He's, he's created these games these trust games that can help you push trust along. We're going to play a game today, right now, to give you an idea about this. But you can, you can create your own trust games based on this idea I'm going to give you right now. So let, Lencioni calls this the three-question game. So here's the three questions I'm going to answer for you. Where were you born? So I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That's question one. You guys can all handle that one, right? You all know where you were born. Okay, question two. How many siblings did you grow up with? So I was the oldest of four boys. So I had three other siblings, uh, three brothers in my family. And then question three. Tell me something you overcame as a child. Now, some people might have had something significant happen to them as a child. You don't have to tell us that. I'm not looking for you to tell us that. You decide what you're going to tell us. You understand what I'm saying here? And anytime you play this game, you need to set that up. That I'm not here to get you to reveal secrets about yourself. I'm here to just learn a little bit more about you as I tell you a little bit more about me. You do whatever you want in answering that question. 
So my answer to that question was this. When I was a child, uh, one thing I remember overcoming was my grandfather lived with us for the last 10 years of his life. And here's what I had to overcome. He kept repeating stories about his life to me over and over and over. So I would sit down in the living room, he'd come in and sit down, and he'd start telling me a story that I had heard 16 times before. I stood there and listened to it again. My other brother would leave the room. I have to go to the restroom. I have to go to the store. I have to do this. I have to do that. I felt like I needed to stay and listen to my grandfather. And you know what it got me in life? It got me patience. It got me patience that is helping me in this role as an elder in the church now. So those are the three simple questions. Here's what I want to do right now. Hope this doesn't shock anybody, okay? We're going to do something a little bit different here right now. I want you to move from wherever you're seated right now and get in a group of four people, four people that you don't really know that well, okay? So just go to three other people and have a seat next to them. I'm going to give you about two minutes to do this. I know you can do it, gang. Go to form a group of four people right now and stand by for further direction. Uh, right after this, right after we do this, yeah. Okay. Come on, you can do it. Be brave. Be brave. Okay, I need you to, I need you to sit down once you have those four people. I need you to quiet down. Quiet down, please. Get in your group. Let's go. We gotta, we gotta work, gang. Move, move, move. Get in that group of four. Pull up a chair. Does everybody have a group of four or five? Three, four, or five? Everybody's got a group? Okay, please listen, gang. Please listen. Have a seat. Have a seat. Here's what you're going to do in your group of four or five or three. It doesn't matter, whatever it is. You're going to play the three-question game right now. So ready? Begin. Everybody answers the three answer the three questions. Tell everybody the answers. Then the next person answers the three questions. First question: Where were you born? Second question: How many siblings did you have growing up? If you didn't have any, then you say that. Okay. Question number three: Something you over overcame as a child. You reveal what that is. Whatever you're comfortable with. Ready? Go.
So I'm going to I'm going to ask a couple questions and I'm going to see if anybody wants to respond to it. So if somebody raises their hand, go over to them. Thanks, man. guys done okay okay let's let's try to quicken the pace a little if you're if you're not done yet try to quickly get through those questions if I could see a show of hands what groups are done okay keep moving let's get those questions done quicken the pace a little thank you Okay, gang, we're going to bring it to a close. Uh, even if you're not done, I'm sorry, we're going to have to break at this point. You can go ahead and return to your seats. Okay, let's try to get back to our original location, please. And I'm going to make one observation uh, as you return to your seats. Now, I've, uh, I've done this game in the workplace environment as an instructor at work, and this always happens. If you recall how long it took me to give you my three responses to those questions... It was about 45 seconds for me to give you those three answers. We've been at this about 11 minutes right now. Some of you had four within your group. Some of you did have five. Some of you may have had three. Every time I do this game, there are people talking 10, 11, 12 minutes after the exercise begins. Does anybody know why? I've got a microphone in the room, so I'm going to run it around. I'd like to get some feedback from you folks. Does anybody know why we sometimes go a little bit longer when we play this game? Let's bring our microphone over here, please. Young man right here with his hand in the air. Let's get a response from him, please. Hello. <laughs> well, uh, my hypothesis is because now that all barriers and walls have broken down, we just want to stir the pot a little more and get to know each other in the pot. Interesting. You're, you're right on. That is, that is part of it, no doubt about it. Anybody else have an idea about why this goes a little bit longer? Yes, the young lady right there. 
I think because then we find something to bond over and then you just keep going from there. Very good, very good. So you guys are touching on two things. There are other things. I don't have time to get into all of this right now. But when you reveal a little bit about yourself, you begin to open things up for other people. When I said Pittsburgh, I was born in Pittsburgh. How many of you have a thought in your mind about Pittsburgh? Could be positive or negative. Who's got a thought in their mind about Pittsburgh? Okay, a lot of you. So here's the other part of this. If you don't have a thought in your mind about Pittsburgh, you still have a thought when I reveal Pittsburgh to you, do you not? You get what I'm saying? When I asked you how many siblings you have, you may think of your brothers or sisters, relationships with them, but if you don't have siblings, you still have thoughts around that, don't you? When I say something you overcame as a child, well, you might have had a terrific childhood, and you might think to yourself, there's really nothing I over... You're still thinking about something. You get what I'm saying here? Your mind begins to work no matter what information comes towards you. Because God has created a beautiful mind in all of us that gives us that ability to make connections. Even if those connections are tenuous there's still some connection. Something is registering here in relation to that person who's revealing a little bit of information about themselves. I walked around and listened into some of those conversations. I heard some people getting into tangents that I did not ask you about. People were talking about being in the war and being in the army and, and this, that, and the other thing. That always happens when I do this game. Why? Because a lot of us want to connect. We want to connect with each other. But there are these barriers that are out there, aren't there? There are barriers here at church. There are barriers in our culture. There are barriers in our mind that we have created that stop us from building trust and growing trust and giving trust. Just think about how that game went for you. Is there anything else that you experienced within this three-question game that you think is relevant to the conversation right now? Anything else come up as you went around the little group there that you'd like to let us know about? Let's go to the young lady there, please. Yes, yes. The people said they wanted to spend more time with us. People said they wanted to spend more time with you. Interesting. Interesting. Why does God have a church? Why does it say in this book, don't not fellowship? Okay? Isn't there a line in here that says... Come together. Don't stay away from each other. Why? Why? Because through relationship, you get support. Through relationship, you build trust. Through relationship, you grow. You get feedback. Some of us don't like feedback. Okay? But if it's done in a proper way with love, with the right tone of voice, we can talk to each other about whatever's up if we've got that trust and we have that relationship. But if we're standoffish, if we're not fellowshipping after services, if we're not coming together to meet, if we're watching the video at home, and hey, I got nothing against watching the video at home. Some of us don't have the physical capability to get out there like we used to. I get that. But for those of us that can, maybe we could bring one of those people along to the group. Okay? Just something to think about as we think about building that trust. Why build that trust? Because that's how we gain relationship. Why gain relationship? Because that's how you connect with your friends, with your family, with your colleagues, with the people on the street who don't know the truth of this book, 
don't know the high calling, the potential they have. We want them all to live, don't we? We know what's coming if we continue to endure to the end. Don't we want to give that message to them? One of the ways you can do that is if you build relationship with people and trust is foundational to relationship. You must have trust first in order to build a relationship. And trust is hard to get. It takes work. Now I'm going to relate this all to the Bible. Think about these examples I'm going to give you right now with this topic of vulnerability. There are numerous examples within the Bible. Let me just refresh your memory. Abraham. God told him what? Pick up your family, your belongings, leave this area, Ur of the Chaldees, and I want you to go over here. Was Abraham being vulnerable when he did that? Who wants to move, folks? Who wants to get up and go to another location? It's easy to stay where we're at, right? Think of that metaphor in relation to building trust with others also. It's hard to meet that new person that you never met before and put your hand out and tell them about yourself. But you got to do it. you got to do it. And if you're an introvert, do it in a different way. Maybe it's an email. Maybe it's a letter. Maybe it's one-on-one rather than in a group setting. But introverts are not completely introverts. Just like extroverts like me are not completely extroverts. I need my time. Why do you think I drove all alone up here for 10 hours? I need that time, folks, to get back in inside my head, to meditate, to understand what it's all about. What else did Abraham do that made him very vulnerable? Take your son and go sacrifice him for me. Whoa! Is that being vulnerable? My goodness! That is vulnerability to the extreme. Any of you who have children. I got an 11 year old daughter. When I think of that, I'm like, whoa! Think of the vulnerability Abraham was under. But then also think of the relationship he must have had with God to carry through on that. Do you have that relationship? Have you turned it over to God completely and have that faith that Abraham had? What did Paul say in 2 Corinthians 12? 2 Corinthians 12, one of my favorite scriptures. 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. Do we need to be vulnerable, folks? 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. But he said to me, now Paul's talking about this this weakness, this thorn in the flesh. And what did God say to him? Verse 9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight, read it folks, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Why is he weak when he's strong? That seems not intuitive, right? He's he's strong when he's weak? I don't get it. You get it, don't you? Because he's relying completely on God. It's not about him. He's given it all up. He's completely vulnerable now. He's not holding on to the flesh anymore. He's not holding on to his intellect. He's not holding on to how well spoken he is. He's not holding on to his education. He's not holding on to how much money he has. That doesn't matter. 
That doesn't matter. All that matters is your relationship with Him. That's all that gets you into the kingdom. It does not matter how much money you have, how powerful you are in this world, what kind of house or car you have. You all know that. But are you starting to understand what we mean by vulnerability here? Are you completely vulnerable before God? Have you given it all up? Or are you still holding back a little? Are you showing those white socks? Or are you hiding them? If you get what I'm saying. Does the Bible tell us to be vulnerable? Romans 7, 23 and 24. Romans 7, 23 and 24. Millions and millions of people have read this. Romans 7, 23 and 24. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Who said this? One of the greatest evangelists of all time. So it's okay. It's okay for you to say that to somebody you trust. Because when you can say it to somebody you trust, you have a close relationship with, that can help you grow. That can help you attack that problem that you're having. Again, tons of research on getting a helper to address whatever the issues are that we're dealing with in life. Yes, confess your sins as it says in James 5.16, but notice what else it says in James 5.16. Why do we fellowship? Why do we gain relationships with each other and work on those relationships and grow those relationships? James chapter 5 and verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. When you can open up a little bit, and I'm not telling you to tell me, Okay? But somebody in the church you really trust, if something's got you, you haven't been able to overcome it, you go before God about it, do you have that close relationship in the church? Someone you can also talk to? Someone who can help you talk things over? There's a reason why psychologists and psychiatrists are making all this money, folks. There's a reason. You need to open up. You need to let it go. But you have to have that trust to do that. If you don't, it's much more difficult to do that. But I see these examples within Scripture. Hebrews 2 and verse 10, talking about vulnerability. Talking about vulnerability. I think it makes you stronger. Hebrews 2, verse 10. Interesting scripture here. We don't have time to get into all the nuances. Hebrews 2, verse 10. In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. Christ made perfect through suffering. Now think of the example of Christ Himself. Was Christ vulnerable? Christ was God. Imagine His place. And He took on flesh and blood. Is that vulnerability? Oh yeah! That's complete vulnerability. That's complete trust in His Father. That's as vulnerable as you get, folks. You're God. And you come down to this lowly level 
and you take that chance. Is that vulnerability? Your example that you're supposed to follow is as vul- was as vulnerable as any of you will ever be. Much more so when you think about what was at stake there. Think about him fasting before he meets Satan. Vulnerable. But through that weakness, what does the Scripture say? You gain strength. He allowed himself to be killed, to die, to be spit upon, beaten, scourged. Is that vulnerability? Think about the power he had even at that point. He could have called his angels down to take out the Roman legions. But he allowed himself to be vulnerable to the point of death. That's that's vulnerability to the extreme. Are you there yet? Could you do it for the message you believe in? You answer that question for for yourself. But according to Scripture, that's the point we got to get to. He's our example. That's That's a goal to go for, folks. I don't think we're there yet. But one way you can get closer is to give trust. People say, I've been hurt. I don't give people trust. you got to show me I should trust you. You know what? I get that, but that's not what this book is telling you. We've all been hurt. Have you been killed yet? And if you die, what does that mean? If you believe this book, if you die... What does it mean if you've got the relationship with Christ that Abraham had, that Paul had, that Noah had, that Moses had? If you've got that relationship, what can man do unto me? Nothing. Because you're coming back to life forever. You've got to believe that, folks, because that is power. <laughs> if you believe that and have faith in that and trust in that message, that is power to believe that. Because you're not afraid of what this world can do to you. Because you know what's coming. Can you get that vulnerable? Now let me give you one last point about vulnerability. And interestingly enough, it's in 1 Corinthians 13. Vulnerability in the love chapter? 1 Corinthians 13 Let's read it from what we've just heard tonight. Usually we read this at weddings, and it makes a lot of sense there. But listen to it again through these new glasses you're looking at tonight, to this chapter. I'll just read a little bit of it. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love is patient. Let's stop with that word a minute. Patience. Patience. Are you vulnerable... When you're patient. When somebody's screaming in your face and you want to scream right back, but you remain calm and patient and let them exude whatever they need to exude. Because what usually happens, I've experienced this, is once somebody's done venting, they calm down if you're calm. Not everyone, I know. But many people do. But is that vulnerable when you're patient? Yeah, because what do you want? You want to, you want to put it back, right? Because of how you've experienced life. Love is patient. Love is kind. Is kindness vulnerable? Is kindness vulnerable? Do you just give gifts to people? Because you, you want to, or is it because it's a birthday, or an anniversary, or a this, or a that, when the world says, this is when you give a gift? Do you just give a gift out of nowhere? 
expecting nothing back, that's a little vulnerable. Costs a little money, you got to put a little effort into it, you got to think about it. You're a little vulnerable when you're kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Are you vulnerable when you don't keep a record of wrongs and you get into that argument and you throw back that thing from two months ago? Because it's a good one. Yeah, you're wrong right now, but hey, what about two months ago? Don't forget two months ago. Folks, I've heard some from six years ago, okay? That's not vulnerability. Let's live in the present. Let's live right now. The past is over. The past is over. The pain you experienced in the past. The issues that came up in the past. The problems of the past. We have a tendency to do this with our past. We put it on our shoulder. And we put this on our shoulder. And we pick up this incident from the past. And that incident from the past. And we try to walk around with all that stuff. And then when we have the opportunity, we throw those zingers out. Because that makes us feel good. But you know what? When you put that down, and that down, and this down, and this down, you're free. You're free to be what God would have you to become. But when you're carrying it all around, and you're holding on to it, you're not free, folks. This holds you down. Those past experiences hold you down. They are holding this church down. Those past experiences are holding the church of God down. Don't be held down. Don't be held down. Get up off the floor. Trust God. Trust your fellow man. And be a little vulnerable. Thank you, Pastor James. Oh, there you are. I have a confessions to make. I don't have the white shirts today. <laughs> I forgot them, so. Brother, please stand. Please turn your hymnal to page 243. We'll have two closing hymns. The first one on page 243. There is a name I love to hear. 243.
Let's conclude on page 265. Page 265, after which I'll have Pastor Agent Davis to do to the closing prayer. 265. Let's sing up. Before you, full of praise. We thank you, God. We come before you in awe of you and that we have this high privilege of participating in this great festival which you designed from the foundation of the earth, which has been observed for thousands and thousands of years, and we have been grafted into this great plan. And we just thank you, Father, as we kick off this festival. We thank you, God, for bringing us Pastor Mike James. Thank you, God, for his sacrifice, the driving. He even mentioned the willingness to give up uh, income so that he can throw himself into this work. We pray, God, that we would be inspired by his example and that we would throw ourselves into this walk as well, Father. We thank you, Lord, for him bringing to our attention the vulnerability of the Lamb and how he came to earth and was just willing to be sacrificed as part of this great plan. We thank you, God, for his example of vulnerability and just setting the tone for this feast. What we're asking now, Father, is that you would bless this message through our actions that we would reach out to each other, that we would build trust with each other, that we would become a stronger, more cohesive unit, that we would revive your church. Father, we pray that as we do this, as we allow ourselves to be vulnerable with each other, that you would hold back the work of Satan. Father, when we're vulnerable, we can be hurt. And we can hurt each other. So, Father, through the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray that we will refrain from hurting one another, that we will discern the Lord's body. And as we expose ourselves, as we permit ourselves to be vulnerable with one another, that we would take great care 
and work with tenderness with one another. And as we do this, Father, and grow stronger, we pray that then we would have the courage to expand and be vulnerable with those outside and just to bring this message of hope to a dying world. Father, bless this feast and help us to throw ourselves fully into its observance. We ask this in the most holy and righteous name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.